Hi, I'm Diane McLaughlin from Mayo Clinic in Florida on behalf of SCCM and the APP Resource Committee, bringing you a special edition of iCritical Care podcast, this time focusing on incivility and bullying in the workplace. I have some special guests with me if you don't mind introducing yourselves. I'm Kimberly Eichrist. I work at The Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center in Columbus, Ohio. I am Kyle Patchen, and I work at University Hospital in Cleveland, Ohio. So I don't know about you guys, but over the last two years, I've noticed kind of a change at the bedside, which is people aren't as patient as they used to be and are snapping at each other a little bit more. And the word bullying is being thrown around outside of the nursing circle where it's been quite prevalent, but we're seeing this leaking into providers, namely APPs, which could be partially because the increase of APPs in the workforce, but also in with physicians. If you were to talk about what bullying looks like, how would you define it, Kimmy? I mean, I think that there are certain actions that I would say that I would consider bullying, which would be repeated, unwanted, harmful actions that can cause distress to the recipient or even offend or humiliate that person. This is something that's somewhat deliberate to harm somebody. And that's probably where it gets a little bit tricky because, Kyle, we all have off days, right? Well, right. And I think that that's one thing that we have to remember is how easily the lines can get blurred. You know, let's say that we're in rounds and a suggestion is made and it's not well taken by another team member. The action is maybe not deliberate to cause harm or belittle individuals. Is it actually bullying it or is it just, you know, maybe the teammate did not respond as well as they could have. So at least in today's culture, I'm finding that the term bullying really gets thrown around almost loosely anymore. When we are all working in a high stress, high stakes environment, I think that the word bully is, we really need to focus on the definition and how we actually use the term bully. So unprofessional behavior isn't necessarily the same as deliberately bullying somebody, but does it create a negative culture that allows this to exist? What do you think, Kimmy? I truly do believe that it can, because if it keeps repeating itself with the same person to the same recipient, that becomes a lot of distress for the person that's receiving it. And then what is the difference between bullying and incivility? Well, I think incivility would be more of being rude or disrespectful to the person and have a negative impact on that recipient who's receiving it. That's more like unprofessional behaviors. Yes, like eye rolling, eyebrow raising. There could be some sarcasm. Those are just a few that I would say. And that's something else that's changed within probably the last decade is a lot of humor now is more sarcasm based. But if you don't have the same type of humor that aligns, then that could potentially be perceived negatively. So this is the thing that there are some cultures that I worked in and there were a lot of attendings, fellows and nurses that the culture was sarcasm, but it wasn't hurtful or cause a person distress. And they would have some sarcastic humor. But of course, in that area, it was well tolerated if somebody said, hey, I didn't appreciate that. Or, you know, we were very vocal if that caused any harm to that person. That's just one one area that I worked at, but it was there. But then I have to ask, do these definitions change dependent upon who you're talking to? I think maybe the recipient, how they perceive it, because it is, you know, the actions are so broad, but I 
think that we need to focus on the repeatedness. And if it's causing somebody distress in the workforce, I think that that's where you need to focus on. That's what I would say. And not focus on somebody just having a bad day. Kyle, do you think some of what would need to happen in addition to finding repeated behaviors would be maybe looking at the sensitivity of the individual? I think that complicates things a little bit, and that's why we are in this culture that really throws around the word bullying, because what we really need to be focusing on ultimately is intentional demeaning behavior, and that's how I would kind of more look at bullying and incivil behavior, and I think that those two words can really be intertwined, that if you're intentionally trying to belittle, undermine, demean somebody, then that is, in my mind, intentional bullying and incivil behavior behavior in the clinical environment. But also we are in a culture where, you know, there is a blurring hierarchical structure and as providers now between PAs, NPs, and MDs and DOs, our, our roles as providers are becoming more and more similar. There's no longer a hierarchy. And I think that some of the behavior that we start to see in the clinical environment comes from maybe different providers. If I'm an NP and there's an MD, them feeling undermined that maybe I have a knowledge base that is a little bit different than their own. And that's where some of this uncivil behavior and this bullying can really arise from. So how do you correct that? Well, I think that the start is really just talking about it and acknowledging it. You know, it's certainly an issue that is not going to be solved in this short discussion. But, you know, I think that just making us all aware as social human beings and working in a social environment that there's a lot of high stress, high stakes, that we really have to keep reminding ourselves of everybody's roles, responsibilities, and also contributions that we make to the team that we're a part of and also the purpose that we're practicing in the clinical environment. And I do agree with Kyle. I think that the most important thing is if you start having some of these bullying gestures or incivility gestures, I think that the first thing is, was it the first day that it happened? Second of all, bring the person to the side and have that discussion if it really truly is causing you some distress. So what's interesting is one of the organizations that have actually started looking at bullying is AMA, which they're acknowledging that this is something that exists within the physician workforce. But this is the same organization that had a campaign to stop scope creep or expanding the scope of advanced practice providers. How do you put those two thoughts together in terms of interacting within these different roles? Well, as we are in the infancy of this topic, I think that Again, it takes conversations like this, and we have to set our differences aside at some point. I've been fortunate enough to work on a very collaborative surgical team where, you know, there's a healthy amount of mutual respect for each other's roles. I'm not a surgeon, and the surgeons I'm with know that it's evident. However, I am skilled and have the ability and time, and ultimately it's my role to take care of patients in the preoperative, postoperative, and outpatient phases of, you know, the patient's care. So, Between us, there's no animosity, there's no contention, because our roles are really clearly defined. I think that some of the issue arises where you work, let's say, in an ICU, and you have now an NP and an intensivist working together, 
I can intubate, the intensivist can intubate, I can put in a chest tube, the intensivist can put in the chest tube, I can float a swan, the intensivist can float a swan. Now you're really starting to blur the lines and roles and responsibility of who does what. And I think that it takes a healthy amount of mutual respect from each individual, be it the NP, PA, MD, DO, what have you, us all as providers, ultimately, to really just appreciate the contributions that each other can make for a team. The days of the one physician orchestrating all the control for the patient, those are gone. We now know that patients do better. Uh, They're out of the hospital quicker when consultants are on board, when you have multiple teammates. And I'm not even going to start referencing the data that shows, you know, APP run ICUs and the, the progress that those patients make. But you know, I think it really just starts ultimately leveling the playing field and just having a discussion on why are we here? The degree next to our name ultimately becomes a little bit insignificant. You have a nurse practitioner that's been practicing for 20 years. You're telling me that they're going to be better than a fellow uh, fresh out of their fellowship as a new attending. You know, clinical experience is not defined by the degree that you have. It's, it's defined by your clinical experience. So, Kimmy, to kind of piggyback on that, is respect something that you earn or that you're given? I think that in the work environment, everybody should be professional and everyone should have respect for each person, their job, their title. But I do feel as though everyone should be professional. The work environment should be a culture of respect and it needs to be there. The one way to do that just be professional. You don't have to agree with one's beliefs. You don't have to agree with the way that someone chooses to live or love. That should be out the door. It should be what you're doing, taking care of the patients and leaving you know, your personal stuff out of it. Really, if everybody focused on that, I think that the work environment would not have this problem. But Kimmy, so what do we do when you have somebody that, you know, like we all, I think there should be a baseline of mutual respect for each other and each other's roles, but also you have to respect yourself and not only your knowledge base, but the knowledge that others may have that you don't. So what do you do, you know, when you have a new provider on your team and clinically there is room for improvement, at least in my practice in today's day and age, we as providers aren't really taught to take constructive criticism or feedback is ultimately not welcomed. I was fortunate enough to go through a hybrid residency where, you know, after every patient encounter, I received feedback from a colleague that was there, be it a physician, an NP, what have you. And even after reporting or presenting to an attending, after the presentation, I would receive feedback. So I went through a very intense upbringing going into a provider role of welcoming feedback to improve your ultimate clinical practice. But how do you handle newer providers or not even new providers, just providers that don't welcome feedback when maybe, you know, there is room for improvement? So, I mean, to be honest, everybody has their own personality, their own way of telling someone that, you know, to give them feedback with whatever it is, right? But at the end of the day, we have to respect the position. There's people above me that might have some learning or training or just the policies in which we have established here where I work. Those are the policies in which, you know, we're set. There might be somebody that chooses to do something that's not policy-based. I'm just giving an example. But the thing is that you have to respect their position and talk to them. If they're not receptive to the discussion, 
you know, first of all, I always make sure that I'm being respectful and I need to make sure that what I'm saying to the person, they're understanding in a professional manner. But if they're not going to receive the information, then that's when I would just go up to the next person that's above them if it becomes a problem. I mean, this all sounds great, but I got to be real. I have those moments that I completely disagree with what we're doing for a patient or the care that we're providing. And sometimes it's challenging not to say something in a way that absolutely could be taken the wrong way. I mean, I feel like there are times where, especially if you're having a discussion with a medical doctor and you're a nurse practitioner, yes, there might be those times where, and I would feel as though it's a discussion more than disrespect. And I think that that's the culture in which we all need to have. If somebody's suggesting something, a different care a plan of care for a patient. I feel like whatever position you hold, I think that you should be open to whatever that person is saying. But Kimmy, I think you're feeding into the issue with what you said. You know, you said medical provider or doctor. I think that we really should be changing our language and shaping it to just level the playing field and we're just providers. Be it and as I've stated, you know, nurse practitioner, physician assistant, DO, MD, we are all providers there. So we, I think in your mind, you have to first get rid of the hierarchy. And if you're having a disagreement with the provider on the team, whatever their role may be, you know, I think that we should be allowed the opportunity. Everybody should be allowed the opportunity to speak up and say, you know, I have a different view in caring for this patient. This is why if you're quoting literature or previous experience or both, or, you know, maybe you see something that the other team member doesn't. And that's why we have teams, you know. We, we don't have a team for one MD with two APPs falling around describing for them, putting in orders and writing the note. You know, it should be a team approach. But also what we have to do is be constantly up to date with the literature, be always trying to improve our practice and accepting that what we're doing right now is ultimately going to change in 15 or 20 years. So what do we actually know? In terms of an education, you know, we are kind of lifelong students, I would venture out to say, that we should all be venturing to learn and grow together. But Kyle, how many people do you know that are in our same role that don't operate like that? And I think this is why there's some discord. A lot of physicians don't like the word provider, and they actually want to make sure that they're being referred to as physician, which is different than how they would like us to be referred to. Well, I guess I can appreciate that just because, you know, speaking openly, I don't like uh, being called an APP. You know, I'm a nurse practitioner. I'm not a physician assistant. I have a different education and training. But ultimately, regardless, you know, just like there are good MDs, there are bad MDs. Good NPs, bad NPs. Good PAs, bad PAs. I think that the people that practice poorly are those that get so stuck on this role and you know they they act like okay i've achieved the medical doctorate i know everything i've gone through residency maybe a fellowship and i am the clinical leader you all need to follow me blindly and it's 2022 that's just not how we practice anymore hospital systems operate differently they're reimbursed differently we don't have time to have one captain of the ship anymore. You know, it takes a team approach. So regardless of what you think, or you don't like the word provider, that's what we are all. We are providing care, clinical care, to the patients that we're serving. This is focused a lot so far on provider to provider conflict or between physicians and APPs or more lateral violence. 
but I've been seeing it come from the other direction too, where nursing that's kind of known for this culture, picking on medical residents and micro analyzing every move or that was made or not made. How do you manage that? Kimmy? This could be a hot topic in itself. And when you're a new provider, it can be challenging to have the nursing trust you and respect you. So with that being said, there might be some gestures that might not be welcoming. And what I have to say to that with my experience is you have to first tread lightly and you have to give the nurse respect. But like I said, if it's repeated action, then you must have a discussion with that individual. You, you really do. And there have been nurses that have issues with my practice or my orders. I do explain it. And I'm, I'm being really honest here. I think that the first step is to just give them respect. And if, it, if it's a continued behavior, you, you do have to set them aside and have that conversation. No, I think that's an important point because, you know, nursing is a profession and we can all speak for this, just all being nurses. You, you know, it, it, you're raised in kind of a, the older eat their young culture, and that has just historically been the culture of nursing. So now you're a seasoned nurse and you have residents coming in and they are deferring from the standard of care that you're used to. You know, you may lash out at them a little bit more aggressively. And ultimately, I think it could be a, I would venture out to say it's an uncivil behavior, you know, instead of educating, let's say the resident just speaking about that, you know, you could, from what I've experienced, it could be handled a little, a little bit better. You know, we don't have to be so uncivil amongst each other. But again, we're raised in an uncivil culture. And I think that at least from nursing that can, that carries over. But Kimmy does make a good point regarding it starting with respect, regardless of what anybody's doing if we're speaking about nurses if there is an, a, a lack of education or awareness of a clinical issue you, you do need to give that person respect and and respectfully let them know what's going on and then from there you know if it's a repeated behavior and they're not willing to take the actions to improve their performance then i think at that point you know we need to go up the chain of command and you know maybe have a assistant manager or what have you look into that so I want to play a little bit of a game. Just humor me here. Where I'm going to give some examples of things that I've seen or heard about in clinical practice. And you tell me if it's bullying or not bullying. Okay, are you guys game for this? Sure. All right. A nurse complains to her colleague that the provider on never lets them give sedation. Well, you have to say the word never is a pretty strong word. And I would not call that bullying or incivility. I would consider that as that's the nurse's perception. No, I would agree. You know, nursing tends to be an all or nothing profession, especially as a bedside nurse. They're just all absolute. So, I, but, you know, just hearing that, I would say it's not bullying. But maybe unprofessional. With more context, I think that, you know, we could be able to say more. I mean, maybe it's unprofessional or incivil behavior. But again, with the absolute that we're given right now, I'm not hearing anything that okay. would be bullying or incivil. A physician rounds in the morning and undoes everything that the overnight physician did. Are you practicing where I'm practicing yet now? <laughs> I know this never happens. This has never actually ever happened at anywhere. Yeah, no, again, I... 
answering that one first, I trying to set aside the experiences that I've witnessed and perceived before, I think that that does borderline incivility, especially if it's a repeated thing, you know, that the plan of care is going 180 every 12 hours just because of the provider. I think that talking about respect, if a plan of care has been set, unless there is clear hard set, a clear hard set reason to really defer from the plan of care, you know, we shouldn't be ultimately going back and forth between, you know, patients on Presidex during the day, propofol at night, Presidex during the day, propofol at night. For a patient that's, you know, simply needs to be sedated and without any other clinical reason to be changing sedation, you know, I would say that that is more uncivil behavior. And there are situations where that can be. Working night shift, you know that you have a plan, you're the one at the bedside, and things change during the day. So if I come back the next night and they're like, well, the plan changed, I'd say, you know, the first questions I'm like, okay, so what happened or what the thought process is. So in that aspect, I wouldn't consider that incivility. But if it was repeated with the same attending or the same fellow, then I could see that that could be a problem. Like I said, if it's repeated behavior and it's always with your orders, then, you know, I would have that conversation. All right. What about you're getting sign out from a colleague and your back is turned to that person and you're just flipping through the chart and kind of rolling your eyes to yourself, not openly. What is that? I would say I that swear it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> those are gestures that, especially if it continues, those are gestures that need to be discussed. Well, it depends because, you know, when I'm getting report. I have my sheet in front of me and the the chart, you know, computer chart open and I'm looking at labs as the person's talking and I'm looking at imaging, you know, and I I tend to be more short and let the person speak during report. They can give it to me how they want. And if I have questions, I'll ask, but I am, you know, as I'm getting a report on the patient, I'm looking at labs, I'm I'm looking at imaging, I'm kind of reviewing procedure notes, what what have you, consultant notes while I'm getting a, a summary. So ultimately you would be saying that I'm, you're going to talk to me about my behavior. I mean, what do you want me to do? Be staring right at you during a port? You know, I think that if it's really bothering you, we can have a discussion. But ultimately, I mean, taking the context that I'm kind of doing what Diane's describing right now, I would, I'm looking at the patient while you're giving me a report. There's nothing to it. All right. Well, I think that's all the time we have for today. I think there's a lot to think about in terms of what's bullying and what's incivility and really how can we change ourselves to make the environment better. So on behalf of SCCM, this is Diane McLaughlin, and we look forward to joining you next time. Thank you. Diane C. McLaughlin, DNP, AGA CNP, BC, CCRN, FCCM, is a neurocritical care nurse practitioner at University of Florida Health, Jacksonville. She is active within SCCM, serving on both the APP resource and ultrasound committees, and is a social media ambassador for SCCM. Join or renew your membership with SCCM, the only multi-professional society dedicated exclusively to the advancement of critical care. Contact a customer service representative at 847-827-6888 or visit sccm.org slash membership for more information. The SCCM podcast is the copyrighted material of the Society of Critical Care Medicine and all rights are reserved. Find more episodes at sccm.org slash podcast.
This podcast is for educational purposes only. The material presented is intended to represent an approach, view, statement, or opinion of the presenter that may be helpful to others. The views and opinions expressed herein are those of the presenters and do not necessarily reflect the opinions or views of SCCM. SCCM does not recommend or endorse any specific test, physician, product, procedure, opinion, or other information that may be mentioned.